Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next are Julie Lardinois and Mo Fahim of ESD. They're here to talk with us about the impact of COVID-19 on the workplace and the built environment. Thanks for being here, and if you would, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Julie Lardinois. I am the practice leader at ESD in our Workplace Solutions Group. Hi, good morning, Tim. Uh, Mo Fahim with ESD, and I lead our intelligent building practice. Excellent. So, guys, here's my first question. What advice are your clients seeking out today that might be different from what it was, say, one month into the pandemic? Thanks, Tim. Well, Mo and I look at this differently, of course. Um, Mo has a technology background, and my background is mechanical systems. Um, and so, you know, one month into the pandemic, no one was really talking about um, the HVAC system or indoor air quality, because as you recall, you know, at that time, it was thought to be transmitted only through droplets. Um, now there seems to be a compelling evidence that we really should be more concerned about the indoor air quality. And so people are more interested in talking about filtration systems, bipolar ionization, UV, germicidal radiation. And technology perspective, Tim, uh, one month in, we were looking at ad hoc fixes to help better facilitate remote work and work from home infrastructure, AV, unified communication, and enterprise security. So that really evolved into reentry planning and prepping the environments with technology to facilitate that transition better and be able to reintegrate, reactivate both the human element and the physical and the physical assets as well. More recently, long-term, exhilarating pilots and deployments for smart building applications and use cases, setting up the solutions and infrastructure to support that hybrid distributed office model, one that is going to rely heavily on hypermobility and hyperconnectivity. Okay. Now, from the perspective of a tenant, what are the readily available opportunities that can be deployed within their office space? So what we like to look at is basically it's going to be lightweight solutions with minimal impact and low infrastructure upgrades. Uh, I highly encourage that, you know, um, facility manager, operators, et cetera, do not deploy disruptive, complete rechange of the facility before extended evaluation of, of uh, the purpose and the use of these items, because you most likely are going to end up to have to revise it again after the fact when it's rendered un not useful. Most likely, that's going to be software-based platforms that will help with the transition, space planning, and also access into the space. So think of thermal screening and visitor management and the like. You know, from a MEP perspective, I think we're really talking about indoor air quality monitoring. Um, you can't improve what you can't measure, obviously. Um, and also, we're asking tenants, you know, if there are any demand control ventilation systems within their space to certainly, you know, discontinue use of that in, in the short term, um, because right now the ventilation and indoor air quality is really taking precedence over, you know, energy conservation measures. Okay. For indoor air quality solutions, Tim, um, you can, we can look at the different technologies and costs, you know, um, clients can deploy 
point solutions. It doesn't have to be large scale at a building level. Um, basically, IoT type devices that are multi-sensored and can be targeted for a specific area. They're not going to give you as much information as a full scale deployment, but those are going to be lightweight and they're going to be basically, you know, a few hundred dollars per device. You could add multiple devices time together with a software big platform uh, that's going to have a monthly subscription. So you're looking at at a low end, you know, some simple solutions that are three, four hundred dollars a device with up to 20 bucks a month uh, for the easiest, simplest deployment. Okay. Now, what about a building owner or operator from that perspective? What can you do? You know, from a building perspective, it may seem obvious, but you'd be surprised. Um, you know, not a lot of buildings run currently the way that they were designed to operate. And so we're really asking buildings that we've worked in for a while to, you know, kind of go back and make sure that you're bringing in the or that you're required to bring in for code at minimum. Um, you know, make sure your filters are being maintained. You can determine if there's an opportunity, you know, within your, the limits of your existing system to bring in additional outdoor air. Um, potentially, there's an opportunity to increase your filtration system depending on, you know, what the capacity is with your existing fan system. These are things that can be readily reviewed by an engineer to see what your existing system is capable of. Um, and certainly, you know, it makes sense to kind of run your buildings a little bit longer. I think typically buildings will operate, you know, from, you know, 6 a.m. To, to 7 p.m. But I think having that additional time with your systems operating to really flush your building out a little bit better uh, certainly makes sense at this point. Um, you know, further down the line, you can think about bipolar ionization systems, you know, UV systems on your coils. Um, but really, the easiest thing um, is to run your system the way it's intended to operate and make small tweaks that you can within the limits of your existing system. Exactly. Okay. On the technology side, uh, Tim, it might not be as straightforward because while some of the previous examples do carry over, such as uh, um, visitor management and, and the like other solutions and thermal deployments, um, you might not be able to deploy at wide scale throughout the entire facility uh, without you know, at a low cost type of approach. So it's not a spot fix. You're going to require more infrastructure upgrades. You're going to require a lot more devices throughout and the ability to integrate them really all together because now it's a much larger scale deployment really for it to mean meaningful. You don't want to end up with thousands of point solutions that are basically each siloed in their own and then not communicating together. Um, one thing also to keep in mind, reverting to if you can't measure it, you can't improve it, is I'd like to add a thought also on that is if you can't, you know, reverting back to the hierarchy of controls and engineering controls, you can't measure, you can't control, you can't improve. So basically the ability to tie indoor air quality and measurement and verification, all that into the building automation and MEP systems in order to create actual responses to these measurements. Okay, excellent. It's obvious to all of us that the future will offer new choices and new spaces that cultivate creativity, productivity, and the health and wellness of those who use them. CBRE is excited to introduce The Way Forward. It's an exploration of the changing nature of work, the evolving ways we live, and the long view for commercial real estate markets. Envision The Way Forward at cbre.com slash thewayforward. Now, here's another question. How do you see the pandemic changing the whole experience of just walking into an office building in the future? How is that going to change? 
Well, Tim, that's a great question. You know, we, especially on this podcast and, and many discussions recently, you talk about reimagining the future of commercial real estates, real estate and building lobbies as well as high traffic areas are a great opportunity for this. I wouldn't call it a change, but it's more of an exhilaration of adoption of technologies that have been in the pipeline. So over the past couple of years, we began to finally embrace digital transformation of the built environment, smart building technologies, and also implementing of prop-top solution that focus specifically on the occupant experience, on-demand services, tools that help streamline workflows, as well as created more efficient and enjoyable spaces. So that won't be put aside. It's the health and well-being of the occupant and the visitor is going to be brought to the forefront as the main objective. So we're going to see previous technologies that have their use cases adopted and, and, and adapt, excuse me, adapted to support this. So frankly, this is going to help make the business case for a lot of smart building technologies that owners had a difficult time putting a number and justifying their ROIs. So contactless interactions, visitor check-in, registration, credentialing, you know, all of those items, I think if, if a building doesn't have it, I would consider it obsolete from a tech standpoint. Autonomous supplemental security. It's basically, again, pushing that AI and higher order of magnitude, the human element focus on the higher order element of work, uh, movement and presence, indoor wayfinding, indoor positioning and space optimization. All those items are going to take potentially a stronger place in, in the built environment. And last, not least, is how do you tie all that together with all that data and analytics to create dynamic cleaning and integrated facility management, maintenance, and scheduling? Okay. You know, and, and unlike the technology systems, you know, you won't see the changes in the mechanical systems. Um, hopefully, you'll be feeling better. At, at minimum, what we'd like to see is what we hope we see is, you know, when you walk through that door, you see some sort of a health and wellness certification on the door, whether it's, you know, LEED, which addresses the increased ventilation that we're looking for with respect to, you know, COVID, or well building, which is certainly gaining more traction as it, you know, relates to a lot of additional items outside of, you know, just increased ventilation. It has to do with, um, you know, high-touch cleaning areas, disinfectant, health health programming with respect to flu shots. Um, it has a whole, you know, wider range of policies that really relate to the, to the COVID and, and other types of viral viruses. And so that's kind of how we see the future on the, on the mechanical side. Okay, great. Here's a similar question. What about the workplace? How will the pandemic change the workplace? Well, a lot of the items we talked about, uh, Tim, on the building side are going to carry over. But but I'm going to add to it the intersection of how enterprise technology, smart buildings, and the connected workplace applications are all going to work together. So we're going to continue to see an evolution and rise of digital workplace experience solutions, as well as items and technologies that help build that transparency and confidence. So how do we tie in wellness, health, and safety, space and comfort, communication, and collaboration all together? So we're going to see deployments of workplace management, uh, space optimization solutions, such as floor mapping, seat assignments, space room reservation, uh, um, utilization, people density, as well as consumable tracking take a little more um, a stronger position in the workplace. 
You know, and I think on on our end, going back to indoor air quality, I think that you know the employee is going to want to know what's in the air that they're breathing um, with respect to toxins, chemicals, VOCs, CO2. Um, obviously, there's no way you know viral particles are, are too small to be able to you know measure a viral particle in the air. But you know when you're breathing out, you're breathing out CO2 and and obviously you're breathing out any viral load that you would have. And so by measuring CO2, you know, you have a pretty in good indication about how well you're ventilating your space. And, and I think that with everything that's happening, I think people are going to be more interested in what's happening with the air that they're breathing. I think we've always known that indoor air quality has an impact, you know, on employee well-being. And I think now we're realizing how important our employee well-being is um, to us. And so that's absolutely okay. And now here's my last question. What built environment changes do you think will survive five to 10 years post COVID? What's going to become more or less permanent? Well, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, there's been a lot of things that people are putting out in the market. You know, we've seen temperature sensing. I, I don't think that I think that that's an immediate need. I don't see that that's going to be, you know, a five to 10 year I hope it's not, um, but certainly with health and wellness and the focus on indoor air quality, I think there is really a business case for that now um, where there wasn't before. And then similarly to technology, I mean, Mo and I always talk about how, you know, you can do everything you need to do from your phone, from ordering your food to, your, you know, your Uber to everything. But really, technology has been lagging in the built environment. And I think that's really going to change, you know, which which Mo can certainly speak more, more to. Absolutely, Julie. You know, the one thing we talk about a lot, and you probably heard me say this many a times, real estate industry and asset basically have had trouble implementing new technologies fast enough. And, and you know, what we look at it from a perspective of with great disruptions, there's great innovation and, and opportunities, the COVID-19 pandemic is definitely going to help fast track digitization and stimulate innovation in the use of technology in the built environment. Um, so what's going to stay and stick, I think, is basically evolution of experiences and interaction within the built environment space is going to continue to accelerate, just as behavior and reliance on technology was exhilarated across the five generations of workforce at a consumer level, we're going to see it in the built environment. So if you look at it in 120 days, really, um, the experience of smart building technologies, we were talking about frictionless access, frictionless experiences. It evolved from frictionless to completely uh, contactless and touchless. So we went from multi-touch to one touch to no touch. So due to health and safety needs, and ultimately this is going to evolve, continue over the next five to 10 years as the factor of AI and intelligence and evolution of, of technology, this is going to become, you know, we're going to evolve into that autonomous workplace, individualized user controls at the personal device level and tie that all together with location awareness. is going to have a much bigger presence in the future. Um, tech helped with the transition out, you know, helped kept us connected, helped kept people employed and businesses operational. It's going to help with the re-entry, it's going to help with the recovery, and it's going to help reshape what the future is resilient enterprise and workplace is going to look like. So, you know, speaking of what's next, no matter what the next normal is going to look like, what the workplace workforce model is going to evolve to, technology is going to be at the core of all next phases. Okay. Well, big changes are coming for sure, based on what you just told us there, Mo. Julie, Mo, it's been great talking to you today. And on behalf of Cornet Global, I'd like to, again, thank you for sharing your insights and your knowledge with the, our members. Thank you, Tim. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. It was a pleasure being on your podcast. 
This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.